They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. They're not real. You get that, right? None of it is real. The critics aren't real. The customers aren't real. Because this isn't real. You aren't real. <laughs> okay. Derek, why do you care about these people? They don't care about you. None of them. They don't even know you. Because you haven't shown them. Every day you'll wake up and there'll be less of you. You live your life for them and they don't even see you. You don't even see yourself. We don't get a lot of things to really care about. And welcome back to another episode of the one on one podcast. I am joined by Anderson today again. Once again, this is like what your fifth, sixth time on here, bro. What's up? Man, it's so lucky to be back. Thanks for having me, bro. Yeah, for sure. You know, whenever you want. That invitation's always open and that door's always open for you to come on my show because, <laughs> you know, if, if if I recommended you to other people as well so that they know about stoicism and the duality and all that goodness that you put out there and talk about. And I think you make a great guest. So I've been recommending you to people have asking, hey, you know, do you have anybody you could recommend? I was like, actually, I do. I mean, just hit him up. <laughs> let him know. You know, I sent you and see what he says. He's always down. If he goes on your show, whatever happens next is not my responsibility. I just know that he's also on my podcast. <laughs> Who wants to hear from an old ass philosopher, man? But uh, hey, cool. If someone wants to hear me talk, I'm here to talk. So I got something special, bro. I haven't revealed it yet on the show. And I want to get your your real life reaction to it. So, All right, here we go. You ready? Hit me. All right. Here we go. The build-up. Nicholas Cage as Jesus Christ. That's the first one, all right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Hail Nicholas Cage. I hired a <laughs> professional voice actor to do what the fuck to do a, uh, sound bites for me, and this is this is gonna be the new, the new intro. So I got brought to you by Pfizer. I got this new intro that's going to be going on at every beginning of the episode. Welcome to the One on One podcast with your host, Juan Ayala. Prepare to have your mind blown. 
So I can imagine when I sent this stuff to this guy, this guy was like, what in the <laughs> fuck is this? He, just, he made sure the check cleared first, right? Illuminati confirmed. Yeah, I paid up front 100%. Always pay up front. So, yeah, I got that. I think it's pretty fucking awesome. I love it. And I want one too now. <laughs> well, I was telling you, man, just upgrade your gear a little bit. You know, depending on what you want to do, I know you're taking a different approach now with your with your content, which I think is awesome. And like I always told you, and we've always talked about this, just start your own thing and just fucking run with it, you know? And we're going to be talking about something today that's near and dear to my heart. Mind you, I'm a little retarded. That's why I brought on Anderson because he's more well-versed in this. I didn't realize how quickly this date was coming up on my calendar until I saw it yesterday. And I, I wrote to you, I was like, hey, bro, I'll be honest with you. I haven't done much research, but thankfully I did get some research done yesterday and I was able to dive a little bit deeper on the subject. We're going to be talking about Rene Descartes today. Maybe some some of the ideas that I have on here is some interesting stuff where right? we have, excuse me, we have innate ideas, we have mind-body dualism, we have rationalism, we have the mechanistic universe and Cartesian vortices, which is also very interesting. And we'll see wherever the the evil demon, if you will, guides us in this conversation that we're about to have on the awesome Rene Descartes. And I wanted to start off with some quotes, right? And Anderson, you're welcome to interrupt me whenever you see fit. If you need to correct me, a lot of my research I've gotten off of the internet, so it's got to be true. And I picked up a book <laughs> yesterday that I couldn't put down. So when I know I've, as of lately, I've been taking notes by hand. Okay. And it's, it's extended my research time, but I feel that I can retain things a lot better. It just, I feel just more connected to it. My, you know, when you copy and paste something, anybody can do that. But when you're actually reading it and then transcribing it in your own words on paper or a tablet for this, for this, you know, purpose, I feel that that connection to it a lot more and I'm able to 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 really reflect on it and it just sticks with me. And so I've been going with it and it's taken me a lot longer between episodes to do research, but it's I think it's worth it because I always try to bring new content to the show and new ideas and philosophies and conspiracy theories that a lot of people don't talk about or haven't heard about before. So I think it's I think it's worth it. So you just described stoic meditation, dude. That that's what it is. Uh, if I'm you recall the journaling episode we had, um, stoic meditation, something I do, you know, three, four, five times a day is just taking a pen and a piece of paper and just writing. Wow. That's what we call meditation, right? The zenful meditation is what we think. You know, you sit down and you repeat a mantra, which is also awesome. Everybody should do. Yeah. But stoic meditation is writing because, like you said, muscle memory. You can type with muscle memory, you can draw with muscle memory, you can do all sorts of fun stuff with muscle memory, but you cannot write pen to paper without triggering your rational mind, which we're <laughs> oh, talking about today, right? Okay, Mr. Renee. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's an awesome, yeah, now that I remember that is part of it, and that's an awesome thing uh, to to connect to. So I, I, I am a stoic at heart. And so a book that I picked up 
And when I know I've gone too far during the day in research is when my, my eyes start to twitch, right? They start to do this thing and I go, okay, I got to get off. So it was about 12 in the morning last night. I got off of my computer and I was finishing writing. I wrapped up some ideas and every idea that we're going to be talking about today in this episode, well, what I have, it can be its own episode on its own because these things are deep and you know this, and this is what I love about philosophy. Oh, yeah. I got skull fucked on some of the things. I was like, this is way deeper. This is way above my pay grade, but I'm trying my best guys. So an, in a book, so I ended up getting off of the computer at 12. I laid in bed and then I started reading this book for another two hours. It's called True Tales of Mathematics, Mysticism, and the Quest to Understand the Universe. And it's Descartes' Secret Notebook by Amir D. Axel. I don't know if you've heard of that. Have you, have you heard of that book? No, no, I have not. I'm going to send it to you. It's published in 2005. This is a picture of the cover here. And obviously, right. I, I do everything, Peter. I can't. I want to collect occult books, but I, I don't have the room yeah, yeah. or the money. So I am choosing to opt out. But I picked up the book and I was reading a few different chapters on it and I just couldn't put it down. I was just sucked in. And then I got to the point where I was actually falling asleep while reading. So I had to eventually go to sleep and I was able to meditate in my sleep. Right? We're going to be talking about Car uh, Descartes dreams as well. So first things first, I want to read these a couple quotes. And the first one being, and again, this was on the internet, so it must be true that he said this. I don't want to get Instagram again to come out and be like, hey, that, that he didn't say that. We're going to take that down, like how they did the other day. <laughs> so it says, we do not describe the world we see. We see the world we describe. Doubt is the origin of wisdom. The third one being, conquer yourself rather than the world and his most famous one that everyone everyone has probably heard in their life is, I think, therefore, I am. And do you know how to say that in, what is it, French or Latin? What Which is the one that he well, says it? it? Well, first, it came in French because he was doing his, you know, studies in French. So I said, je pense, donc je suis. But his grand thesis came in Latin, of course. Uh, so cogito ergo sum. Cogito ergo sum. There you go. I wanted to say it, but I had no fucking idea how to say it. So <laughs> I didn't want to try and butcher it up. So, Rene Descartes, I want to start off by introducing him first. He was born March 31st, 1596, and died February 11th, 1650. He was a French philosopher, mathematician, and scientist who invented analytical geometry, linking previously separate fields of geometry and algebra. He spent a large portion of his working life in the Dutch Republic, initially serving the Dutch state army of Maurice of Nassau, Prince of Orange, and Stadtholder of the United Provinces, one of the most notable intellectual figures of the Dutch Golden Age. Descartes is also widely regarded as one of the founders of modern philosophy and al algebraic geometry. So his Biggest thing that we've all used is the car Cartesian uh, coordinates, which is what Cartesian we see. Cartesian plane, yeah. Yeah, the Cartesian plane, which is we all use it today in 3D modeling and ev mathematics, everything, right? And I wanted to start off with innate ideas. And I don't know where you're at, Anderson, because we obviously this is not scripted. I just did my research. I brought you on because I know you're familiar with the thing. So I don't know where you are as far as 
everything that we're going to be talking about today, but do you have a structure where you're at or are you just going to follow me and then we can go from there? I'm just going to follow you. I mean, uh, but I, I love how like you just stumbled on one of the biggest divides in philosophy. You're like, oh, yeah, I also want to talk about, you know, innate thought. Like, yeah, it's the it, going back to Plato <laughs> and Aristotle. It's the biggest fucking divide in philosophy that we still haven't bridged today. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Rene Descartes tried to find an answer to that. that so we'll, seg. we'll dive in. And I took this from Noam Chomsky on his take on Rene Descartes. And he goes oh. balls deep on this stuff. And I was listening to a couple of his lectures taking a few notes and I loved it because it has to do with language, right? Language is everything. And we use this to evoke thoughts and ideas in other people, right? This is what podcasting is all about. So I'm going to start off and you can do your thing. Anderson, I know you look back like a, like a little kid, you have a book on it or something. I was just going to grab my collection of Noam Chomsky's. Um, everybody should read Noam Chomsky. He's a linguist. He's not a philosopher. Um, he's a scientist. And the way he writes his books mm -hmm. is, is, you know, it's with a scientific approach and method and uh, fantastic, fantastic. Is it a multi, a multidisciplinary approach to things, right? Is that how you say it? Yeah, multidisciplinary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a um, scholarly approach. Exactly, right, right. Um, all right, let's dive. <clears throat> let's get back to rationalist versus empiricism. Just, just I'll give a quick crash course on this. I have, because I have that here. Let me pull it up. I, have it. I, I, I was everywhere because... Again, that's how my brain works. It's 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 everywhere. And I and I titled it Ghosts in the Machine. Okay. And I got that from Nam because he was talking about that. Uh, so go ahead. Go ahead. You can do your thing. I have some notes on here. And he was, mind you, Rene Descartes laid the foundation in the seventeenth in the seventeenth century for rationalism. Right. Um true. Uh but I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna put my own twist on that. So my philosophy, at the core of my philosophy, for the for your listeners that don't know me, um, it's an amalgamation of different Western and Eastern philosophies, uh, spiritual studies, uh, sciences, because the sciences also have some of the answers, some of the answers to the universe, right? Um, and in this line uh, of, of uh, this quest I have to try and figure out how to live a good life, it all always comes back to the same conclusion. Think for yourself. The most dangerous thought you have or the most dangerous uh, 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 system or habit you have is the one you're currently doing because you don't even stop to think, hey, should I be doing this? Is this normal? You know, is, is this OK? Every day I go to, to a job nine to five. Is that OK? Um, I'm, you know, I'm going to do a, a podcast. Now. Is that OK? Or do I just do it because, it, you know, it's, it's a passion project. I just want to be on. Uh, I want to hear my voice on the Internet. <laughs> think for yourself is a question that goes all the way back to Socrates probably before him it's just that we don't have any written records that uh, survive him but two of socrates most famous uh, pupils plato and uh, aristotle they uh, created this divide uh, and i know you know you can give it different names there's different names on uh, to this throughout history on one side you have like plato that says guys we're born with all the knowledge all the knowledge of the universe is already in us we just have to unlock it Right. And, and if you I don't know if you know the cave allegory of Plato, that's what he was saying. Like, yeah. we all see the shadows. We know what they are. We just, you know, the real ones out there. We just don't know how to access that anymore. But it's in there. It's in our minds. And then Aristotle comes along, uh, along and he says, 
no, look, look at this baby. He's a mumbling, bumbling idiot. We're born knowing nothing. That naivism, we, right? Right. We have to experience things. You can only know what a post-it is by picking up a post-it pad and going, hey, all right, cool, yellow, square, whatever. Uh, whereas on the other side, you're going to say, no, no, I can conceptualize. Okay, I can think of a post-it. I don't need to see it. Fast forward um, to the Stoics where rational thought dies. Okay, rational thought, in my, in my view, dies with Marcus Aurelius, and it's reawakened with the Rene Descartes. And this is why I get so excited with Rene Descartes. So when we say he laid the foundation for modern-day uh, rational thought and philosophy, it's true because we lost it for over one and a half thousand years. So uh, just to put it into context, this, this question that we're still trying to answer today, we've been, uh, we've been trying to answer since we've been you know, keeping records. And the and correct me if I'm wrong, but the stoic approach to the logos was that it's just everything just happens because correct because and that's why they took rationalism out of that. That's why they they put it down to rest. Or what was the reasoning behind putting it down? Right. So my view, and and again, we have to be careful when we talk about the Stoics, and and you know, I, I mentioned this. What a better person to topic. talk about the Stoics than you, bro. <laughs> Uh, there's so much wrong information about stoicism, like so much wrong. And nobody goes back and reads the books, right? Everyone's just pushing the same quotes. And even the big book, you know, I've bought the Ryan Holiday books. It's just quotes in there, bro. But if you go and read the Massimo Pellucci's of the world, like the real scholars, no, stoicism has always landed in the middle of divides. In any divide that we talk about, we spoke about ethics in one of our past uh, podcasts with you. Um, we never take one side because we say, guys, there cannot be one side. They just can't. There's no one answer that fits every every uh, peg, right? You can't put a square peg in a round hole. So let's think rationally each and every time. That's the only way we can get as close to the real answer, to the real judgment, to the most objective reality as possible. So rationalism is the view that regards reason as the chief source and test of knowledge. Reality itself has... An inherent and inherently logical structure and rationalists assert that a class of truths exist that the intellect can grasp directly. And I have here the latter to that empiricism, right? Is that I say that right? Yep. Which states that all knowledge comes from and must be tested by sense experience. So what you mentioned about Plato and who was it? Either Aristotle, uh, Aristotle, Aristotle yeah. Which is the one that he created in his in his stories? Was it Aristotle that? <laughs> so Socrates is the teacher of Aristotle. Okay, uh, sorry of uh, of uh, Plato. Plato teaches Aristotle, uh, but we don't know if Socrates existed. Socrates yeah, that's is the, that, yeah, that's the yeah. one that people are like, oh, he's just a made up, right? Because it's always the dialogues in them, right? Yeah. Where he, uh, it's yeah. funny how he would argue with himself in these stories to come forward with an idea. Yeah, and I always forget which one it is. So. The sense experience. Rationalism holds reason to be the faculty that can lay hold of truth beyond the reach of sense perception. And on my notes, at least, I get into something that's a little bit woo-woo. <laughs> and it jumps right into, and I go, we all at one point have heard, I think, therefore I am. And Descartes believes, since the senses could not be trusted, 
the only thing he knew was that he was a thinking thing. That was undeniable and free of doubt. And then in here I get into the demon, the, mm -hmm. the, the evil demon. And this is a reoccurring theme. And what, when I was watching these lectures and diving a little bit deeper, he changes his wording from evil genius to evil God to evil demon. But then he was obviously his ideas were God is all loving and good. So there's no way that there could be a deceitful God. So there's that there's that question as to why he did that. And it goes into his dreams. So I put on here a quote by Descartes. It goes, I shall think that the sky, the air, the earth, colors, shapes, Sounds and all external things are merely the delusions of dreams which he has devised to ensnare my judgment. I shall consider myself as not having hands or eyes or flesh or blood or senses, but as falsely believing that I have all these things. And the he being Descartes' demon. The evil demon is an epistemological concept that features prominently in Cartesian philosophy in his 1641 meditations on first philosophy, Descartes ima imagines that an evil demon of quote unquote utmost power and cunning has employed all his energies in order to deceive me. And the evil demon is imagined to present a complete illusion of the external world. Some scholars suggest that the demon is omnipotent, and thus capable of altering mathematics and the fundamentals of logic, although Descartes has rebuked the idea of evil demons having omnipotence. Now, I don't know where you want to go with this, Anderson, because I can go many different ways with this last thing that I just said. And this goes, again, back to the Demiurge with Plato. Plato talked about this, this force, right, this this ruler that has put a veil over realities over, over people's senses and, and reality is false. And when I was doing research, I'd, I had talked about this before, probably a year ago, a year and a half ago on the podcast, when it was, when I was talking about the Gnostics and I related it to the, to the Demiurge and the simulation argument or hypothesis, whichever you'd like to subscribe to about how, these scholars of back then were even talking about this type of stuff. And we still refer to it even today. And mind you, it, it's a, it's a, it, everyone is a product of their time. So Descartes was coming up with these ideas on his own. They, they, you know, they were very religious back then. Anything that they couldn't explain was, had to be mystical esoteric or occult, whatever it may be. And I relate this to, let me find my notes here to the, when Newton came in and tried to discredit. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Discredit at least the theory we can jump into here, into the theory of, of, of mind body dualism, if you'd like. Because I, well, before before we go that far, there's, there's just so many things that we could talk about back there. Maybe we can hit one or two of those topics. I was just yeah. Go ahead, um, do your thing, man. Because again, I, we just we just I'm I'm just jumping around. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about. Um, I was going to say uh, you're touching on a, a lot of simulation theory. Mm -hmm. I, I 
I believe we're in a simulation, obviously. I think it's 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 a pretty rational conclusion we can come to nowadays. Um, defining what simulation is, of course. We need to talk about the Raven paradox. You ever notice how I have a Raven in my profile picture? Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about this before. Right. So in, in case we have a non-repeat. Enlighten uh, me because I listeners. don't remember. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But I want to talk about rational thought. Let's let's go right back to the beginning. Rational thought is what all, all this is about, right? And um, Rene Descartes, if we put everything into context very quickly in 30 seconds, he was a devout uh, a Christian. He was very religious. Mm -hmm. He was trying to actually, much like Newton, uh, use the sciences to prove the existence of a God or, or to, to, to show that, hey, look, the two sides make sense. The two sides agree. Okay. And he was um, trying to shut up his uh, skeptics before he even uh, released his work. And that's how he ends up on his uh, little demon speaking into his ear because he says, okay, fine. If I'm going to come up with an idea, I have to make sure it's absolutely uh, irrefutable. I have to be able to defend everything. So the skeptics are going to come at me. And back in those days, skeptics were, you know, all the rage. Mm -hmm. He said, okay, we can question this. We can question that. We can question our senses, which we'll circle back to. He says, what can we not question? Like, what can I be 100% absolutely sure about? I can be sure that I'm here talking right now, right? Well, not really, because I could be plugged into a matrix or whatever. All right, fine. I could be sure that I exist in this body that I've seen uh, Anderson live my whole life. Well, no, maybe not. Maybe uh, it's a complete illusion. Like we know other dimensions exist. Maybe my body is a, is a six dimensional being. I can only see three dimensions, right? Who knows? Uh, he came to the conclusion that the only thing I can be certain of is the thoughts that are running through my brain. Because how can I think them if I'm not thinking them? That cannot be a demon that's speaking in my ear. That is the only thing I can trust. I think, therefore I am. So that's how we get to that conclusion. Uh, in terms of not trusting your sensory organs, uh, again, I make the jump from the Stoics to Rene Descartes. This is what we, this is what my ancestors kept on teach us, right? Like ignore your senses. Your body is a tool. Mind like over hammer, matter, right? That's what they always exactly. Tell us. It's a tool like any other tool, and it's a tool like an idiot. Uh, you know, our, our bodies are mumbling, bumbling, hairless monkey idiots. Uh, they act like little children. Like, what are emotions if not a rejection of reality uh, and, and wanting to substitute our own, right? Uh, to quote Adam Savage. <laughs> now, if we get back to um, uh, rational thought versus sciences. So he was coming at this uh, at first as a scientist, and then he very quickly realized uh, he's not going to be able to answer the question of what can we be certain about with the sciences. This is how he came up with the Cartesian plane, dude. He was trying to map out, like, it was the basis of him trying to map out the way everything works in his mind, right? Um, philosophy was the answer. He's not, like, we know him today as a philosopher, but it, he was mainly known as a scientist back in the day, right? So um, this loops us uh, to the Raven paradox. Now, I'm a big fan of the Raven Paradox, so much so that uh, instead of my face, I've put it as my profile picture everywhere. The Raven Paradox states this. Uh, if all ravens, all ravens are black, right? We haven't seen any other ray. All ravens are black. So that's irrefutable proof, number one. Um, therefore, anything that is not black cannot be a raven, correct? 
That's what the scientific method would suggest. If all ravens are black, uh, a white bird cannot possibly be a raven. That's contraposition, right? And so um, the, the third step, which is, which is what blows the sciences out of the water, it says, okay, fine. So if we can establish that anything that's not black is not a raven, I can sit in my room, never having seen a raven before in my life, look at my white mug and say, that is a, uh, that is a white mug. Uh, that is uh, uh, not a raven because all ravens are black and non-black ravens do not exist. So I'm able to do it ornithology without ever leaving my room that has no windows meaning even the sciences have a blind spot the only way we can get to real conclusions uh, as objectively as possible is using our rational minds our own rational minds because what you hear like what i'm saying makes sense and somebody might be going like oh yeah this guy knows what he's talking about don't trust me like take that information question it come up with your own conclusions because you don't know if i exist distrust everything it's got to do with the quote that I read where it says, uh, doubt is the origin of wisdom, right? Exactly. So he wanted to question everything. And I wanted to add on to the scientist thing. And this is something that I saw reoccurring in the research. He was actually, I believe, trying to be able to take all of his ideas and he wanted to be able to mathematically break them down. And you touched on the trying to prove the existence of God. There's also the argument that's that circulates around when, when talking about Descartes, that he was a Rosicrucian, right? The, the ones of the brotherhood of the rosy cross. And the reason that they bring that up again, is because of symbolism and Libnez was one of his, I believe he looked up to him, the guy who invented binary code. He was said to be a, a Rosicrucian, and he's the guy that came up with the ones and zeros. And he was also, some of his work could be interpreted as mystic, and he was into mysticism. And there's a reoccurring theme with all of these ancient scholars, the scholars of, of back then, where Charles Babbage, the, the mathematician behind the modern-day computer, was also trying to prove the existence of God through technology. And the, it is said that he tried to summon the devil at one point. And the reason that he wanted to make the computer was through technology, prove the existence of the one, this Godhead, right? It's always something linking these guys. Libnez, Gottfried Libnez, he, he, when he died, uh, when Rene Descartes died, he actually went and searched for some of his manuscripts in order to be able to copy them. And he yeah. was able to only copy certain ones and apparently... Descartes had devised this code and before dying there, I have the quote somewhere on my on my phone he says I I am at the border I think he said something again I'm paraphrasing I have to look it up I have discovered the foundations to a to that's shit I want to look it up because I don't want to butcher it but he he before he died he pretty much said that he was at the crest of finding out this next science and that's why everybody goes well what the fuck was that science? What, 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 you know, what is he, was he trying to get at? And again, you, you can go down the rabbit hole. If he was actually a Rosicrucian or not. I don't believe, I think I was having a conversation with my friend about this today. He goes, well, you can label him, whatever you want to label him at, for whatever group at the time, because we will truly never know if he was actually looking for the brotherhood of the Rosie cross or not. We're not ever going to know. So 
if he was an Illuminati or if he was a, 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 a Rosicrucian or a Freemason, maybe. Who the fuck knows? We're only going based off of he said, she said, the works that we have. So when he before he died, he he had kept these manuscripts for himself, right? That he wouldn't send to anybody. And on those, he had different notes on them. And he had a uh, what they call a, a secret book. And in this book, it was all written in code. And up until the 1900s, the late, the mid 1900s, were they able to, quote unquote, break the code? Or the, I don't think they've been able to break the code. But the reason that Libnes was because he was obsessed with Descartes and he understood what he was trying to get out. Now, it gets very convoluted because he wanted to interpret his ideas into the platonic solids. Okay. So he had different drawings and equations and numbers and all this stuff. And that was his goal as a scientist in order to be able to interpret his thoughts and ideas into these platonic solids. I read the book, the one I'm telling you about, I read different chapters of it. And on one of them, they go, oh, the secret of, of Descartes. I still don't get it. I don't know what the fuck he was on or what he was trying to, to, to put out there. And that just leaves room for all these conspiracies, right? Because, oh, sure. maybe he was trying to summon the devil with these, with these platonic solids or he was trying to break free of the matrix. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's the mind goes wild. Well, you know, the mind goes wild, but the more times change, the more things stay the same. Like, labels like i i'm trying to unplug my mind from the matrix every time i meditate it's the only way i can be a good human being in this life this matrix this simulation this um uh, temporal world whatever you want to call it it's labels so mm -hmm. we're all saying the same thing and this is one thing i'm learning in my in, in my study of philosophy and talking with different groups of people we're mainly saying the same thing a lot of us or have the same questions and we just define it differently or put a different label on it. And then we run with it. And yeah, it's funny you say that. That's why I wanted to. Uh, that's why I love the innate ideas concept. And, and we can dive into that. I have I have pulled up here. I didn't screenshot that other thing that I was talking about, but I have his last words. Uh, Rene Descartes last word, which we can talk about his death later on, which is also a very interesting uh, topic to talk about because there's also. Ooh, conspiracy theories revolving around that as well. So did you want to touch on anything else as far as the rationalism? Uh, I Now I remember talking about the Raven, and I wanted to bring up that when you said that you're in your room and you're looking at your mug, we can think about this in two different ways, right? We know, according to the rational mind and, and rationalism, and even right, Occam's razor, the, 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 the more logical explanation is probably it. Now, what if you've never left your room, Anderson? What if you've never been outside and seen the outside world? How could you truly be sure that that mug isn't a raven? You oh, see, exactly. You see what exactly. I'm getting at? Yeah. <laughs> so it's well, like it, we're going, it's like how people describe dinosaurs. We've never seen a dinosaur. But yeah. through the sciences, we're able to make up these models. 
you know, you make these things sound as uh, ooh, they're conspiracy. It's not. This is reality. This is absolute reality. Like we we can't know. We can never know. And um, skepticism is the basis of any good philosophy. Okay. Uh, and, and I say this in my books. I say this anytime I talk about stoicism. First, you have to reject everything. Then you have to question everything. Um, our ancestors, our old cousins, uh, were the, uh, the cynics, right? So you have to be a cynic as well. Diogenes, I love Diogenes. I keep talking about that's the guy that was shitting and, and masturbating <laughs> everywhere in public. Uh, team Diogenes. Um, you know, it's all about rejecting your. Okay, let's rephrase. We I just said before too. It's about labels, right? So I can sit here and say you have to reject your reality. That's the only way you can be free. That's one what? way to say it. Anderson. Another way. Not to interrupt you, but isn't that the whole premise of the matrix, either the red pill or the blue pill? And depending on which one you take, you're essentially doing just that, throwing away and throwing out everything that you've ever known and loved in order to be able to, to what, break out of that matrix. And finally, and only then was Neil able to break out. So that was a good story. It was a story, though. That's it was, you know. Hey, that's hey. there's no absolutes in life. <laughs> You're right. You're and, and that's right. my point. So, uh, and so I can come across looking like a real crackpot. You know, I can stand in Times Square holding a big cardboard sign saying "Reject your reality, people," or I can sit in front of a camera and properly say, "Look, guys, you cannot trust your uh, sensory organs. Let me prove it to you. Look up at the sky during the day. Okay, what do you see? A blue sky, right? What's in? The, so I'll point up and I'll say, "What do you? Blue sky." But I, you know there are stars there. You, you see them at night, but you can't see them now. So do the stars not exist? It's a very simple mental exercise to show people we cannot trust our uh, perceptual organs. We, we can't. We just can't. However, it doesn't mean that we have to reject it completely either. It's good data. It's good information. It's not the only data is what the skeptics and cynics would say, at least from a philosophical perspective. Now, if you're into the occult and the conspiracy theories, you're going to run with, forget common, you know, agreement. Let's run with this. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. It's entertainment. But as a stoic, I'm going to say they're both right. Okay. And my day-to-day in terms of how I choose to make good decisions to live a good life, honestly, neither has any impact on me. So I really don't care. Mm -hmm. And they're both possible and probable scenarios. So that's my very transparent uh, uh, two cents, philosophical two cents on that. And with that said, I want to talk about the innate ideas and we can dissect that even further because it does have a lot to do with language. And I wanted to say that it's dangerous when you have these ideas, right? These thoughts and mind you, Plato thought that the, the, the theory of forms, right? Where these thoughts were in this, ether or whatever and they came to us and then you that can bring in the the topic of consciousness and this rabbit hole but i wanted to talk about what we're doing right now we're on a podcast right we're exchanging words and this resonated with me because i go okay it's true it's true what this guy was saying and it's uh noam uh chomsky on renee descartes this is on a lecture from uh, i was on youtube at least for seven years ago. So ordinary use of language has a kind of creative aspect. It is unbounded and people are always saying new things that we have never heard before through their own experiences. 
and so on and so forth. There is no way of knowing a sentence you just heard is one you've heard before. It is impossible. Ordinary human interchange with language is constantly innovative and productive and unbounded and is essentially infinite in a sense. Descartes argued that this is the most crucial difference between man and animals. To further this thought, it is also undetermined what a person wants to say on the basis of the situation that they are in and in actuality not based on any other number of factors. It is not random, so it is not caused by situations or internal states, but somehow appropriate to situations. These statements being coherent in that the the people understand will evoke thoughts in those individuals which they could have expressed that way themselves, but were only able to only after hearing these statements. So right now we're having a conversation. We're going back and forth. And while I'm talking, you're having these thoughts that are coming to you of ideas that you could have been like, okay, oh yeah, you know, and this is how we converse. And that's what I love about podcasting. I, I sometimes, the reason this resonated with me is because I sometimes think I'm repeating myself. Right. And I'm and I'm seeing the same shit over and over again or the same conspiracies and all this stuff. But every single time I say something, it's different because it's infinite. The power that that language has uh, with creativity. And that's why I was like, man, this is true. Every time me and you get together, we take our conversations. We've talked about the same concepts, but we take our conversations to different ways and different. You know, you know what I mean? Every single conversation is different. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the beauties of us homo sapiens. Uh, you know, I'm sure you remember uh, Juan, my second book verbatim. <laughs> and somewhere in there, I talk about, um, for, for your listeners to give some background, my second book is called Your Duality Within. It's about the divide within the rational mind versus the primitive animal uh, vessel that we're in. Um, and I start the book with an anthrop- anthropological approach to explain how we evolved to be this way, you know, I explain why we have anxiety and depression and why that's normal and okay. I explain how we ended up with a lot of the traits we have, because first we have to understand our nature before we can fix it. But I digress. Um, I talk about when, you know, Homo sapiens came into existence about 150,000 years ago, we eventually traveled up north, the, the, the uh, African continent. And then when we met the Neanderthals for the first time in, in the Arabian Peninsula, we got our asses whooped, like heavily whooped. We were almost extinct. At a certain point, there was only about 3,000 Homo sapiens is the estimate. These are, of course, the best estimates of what we, what we know today. So fast forward, um, and uh, the second time we, we travel up north, we swiftly beat them, and then we uh, exterminate and, and extinct all other human species. And then we spread out into all, all corners of the earth, and we exterminate and extinct any large animal that's above water. Now, how did we do this? What, what happened in 70,000 years from when we came into existence to all of a sudden we're like this apex predator? Communication. Huh? Communication. It's, you know, people think it was, you know, fire. Nah, bitch, fire was, you know, 800,000 years before we even came into existence, fire existed. Like it wasn't, it wasn't spears, it wasn't tools, it was communication. Uh, we were able to organize larger groups. The Neanderthals one-on-one could, it, was, it would be like John Cena v. me, you know what I mean? But we were able to organize 50 people, 100 people. Um, so, the, and, and the point I'm going to get to is communication 
became, after the cognitive revolution 75,000 years ago, it became the cornerstone of what makes homo sapiens homo sapiens. Because without communication, how can we transfer uh, knowledge between us and to future generations? And of course, I see matter, uh, knowledge as matter. Everything is matter. So we're the species, this organism uh, that came about 150,000 years ago, and, and we're the same organism. It's just the knowledge that's been transferred through time, right? Um, and we've been very bad at this as of late. We were much better in ancient times, believe it or not. But the English language, and I complain about this on my podcast all the time, the English language is the worst freaking data transfer protocol we have. It's so inefficient. It's so ineffective. Uh, we don't have the right words to describe things. And when we do, it means eight different things, depending on the context. Like, <laughs> we get into so many disagreements and arguments over saying the same thing. Right? I, we were just talking about this 20 minutes ago. Like, we all say the same thing. It's just we say it differently because our, our language sucks. I'm going to actually start this episode with a clip from the movie Pig with Nicolas Cage in it. So I think okay. I think you're going to like it. it's going to be very appropriate to the to the topic at hand. And yeah, I can, so can we take a pause? Can you tell me in 60 seconds? What's the deal with Nicolas Cage? I keep seeing him on your on your Instagram. He's <laughs> he's a big deal in our house. I won't I won't re-explain to your viewers why, but I just want to know, man, is he a lizard or what? What's going on? No, dude, he's not a lizard, man. I think he's the he's the he's the hero that nobody wants but the hero that everyone needs. Okay. Yeah. And I think just with, if you sit down and give him a chance, he'll change your life because I think we all have a little bit of Nicholas cage in our lives and the way he's able to interpret ideas and just, just get into character. I just admire that about him. And I think, I don't think he's a reptilian. I think he is another Elon Musk, if you will, of that, of that realm where he's like this mad scientist that he just is yeah. good at what he does. And, and I, it's Another just caliber. Yeah. It's been, a, it's been a joke that <laughs> we're actually trying to get him on the podcast. So yeah. we have people working diligently to be able to get cage <laughs> on the podcast. And if that was to happen, I think I would die happy and I'd probably end my podcast career on that note. <laughs> And just move on to bigger and better things. But it's just, we just love his work and his character. And we all have a little bit of cage within us, right? He, We see these articles about him being drunk in bars and being kicked out. We all want to do that same shit too, but we can't, right? So I think the reason I love him is because I think, you know, I can relate to him. He resonates with me on, on a deeper level. And when I watch his movies, they all have this symbolism in them. And I'll, I'll send you the clip that I'm going to use so you can see. You're going to be like, it's going to blow your fucking mind. You're going to be like, mm. <laughs> okay, <laughs> whoa, you know? So that, that's the deal with him. So hail Nicholas Cage. Hail Nicholas yes, Cage. Sir. I'm starting a I'm cult. A big fan. It's called I'm a big the, fan. Church, I'm in. <laughs> the Church of Cage. And so I'm, I'm, I'm recruiting people. I've, hit, I've had some people hit me up on 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 instagram like yo what the fuck is up with this <laughs> done i'm in you need a scholar Just yeah so me. you'll be the treasurer right <laughs> you'll be the tre i understand some of the treasurer of the church of cage so it's just there a fun joke you know and and but really we are trying to get him on the podcast that's not that's a true story so all right i'm gonna start posting my pickleless cage flag for you and and you know and just send and him just... back to one-on-one -on -one. <laughs> so yeah i'm gonna use a 
clip from the movie Pig on there, which it's probably one of his best clips ever. And uh, you'll see that. So Descartes refers to language as unbounded, undetermined, uncaused, but appropriate to the situation. So it goes back, way back to what you were talking about. And that's why we were able to conquer because we were finally able to communicate what the Neanderthals weren't able to do. They weren't able to, to exchange ideas efficiently, therefore leading to their downfall. And I think we're, what you said about the English language, I think we're there again. I think since we're not able to convey ideas, not that we can't convey them efficiently, I just feel that people are too irrational, right, if you will, with they take things either too literally or not literally enough, and they interpret them the way that they want to. And we have this, this issue in society nowadays where people are walking on eggshells and try not to say the, the wrong things to people because they're easily offended. And I think we're back again to where we were 150,000, 250,000, 350,000 years ago. And it's funny how that works because it's, again, I talk about the Ouroboros, the serpent eating its own tail and the, and the endless cycle of reincarnation. And we're there again. This is why we need the Neuralink, Anderson. We need Elon to hurry up and put the chip in our head so we're able to, what he says, transfer the data and go into the metaverse and have any life you want at any given point. And you're just going to be sucked in and you're never going to be able to get out. And then Rene Descartes was right. There's going to be that evil demon that's going to be taking over our lives. And we're only going to see what they present to us. So, you know, it's a terrifying prospect, the future for me. Uh, and I say this with all honesty. It's yeah, terrifying because <laughs> that's, that's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, enough. Yeah. Um, but it's terrifying because I know what I don't know. And not too many people know what they don't know. Uh, right. If we go back to Socrates, why the, the Oracle of Delphi said he was the wisest man in Athens. Uh, it's because he admitted what he didn't know. He would go around asking, like, what is love, guys? And everybody would give their answer. And he'd say, I don't, I don't know. I'm not convinced what let's that definition is. Let's go back even even sooner. Donald Rumfeld, when he talks about the known knowns and the unknown unknowns and it, <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing right but right, the oracle right. of delphi was uh, very interesting as well i'm sorry to interrupt you but continue <laughs> no problem. um is it i lost my train of thought with that one now. said sorry, about love we? he's the most wise man that there is and he would ask people what love is and he goes i, I don't know i don't know no no but what um what we're talking about right before the question uh i i talked about Elon Musk and how we are unable to how we're back again to the same area. Right. And right. what the fuck else did I say? I don't remember. Anderson. <laughs> you see, we're both. Uh, this is it means it's a good conversation. Yes. We're not stuck to the agenda. That's what I mean. Yeah, we're, we're in the now. Exactly. We're present. <sighs> Going back and forth, you know, Hegel synthesis is the, you know, again, we're saying the same thing. You're using symbolism and imagery which is, you know, time tested and true. It's, you know, before our modern times, everything was passed on through ballads and imagery and symbolism and stories. Only now do we think like, oh, I'm so smart because I put stuff in a book and, you know, it's, it's, it's so much better. Uh, but anyway, we're saying the same thing. The serpent eating its tail. 
me, I call it the Hegel synthesis. You know, the, the pendulum always goes from one side to the other. Always, always. It's the way it goes. And with language, you know, uh, today, unfortunately, because of social media, the language is just, man, we don't even use full words anymore. Like, mm. my kids are talking in emojis. I'm like, holy crap, guys. Like, W-Y-D, L-M-K. You know, it's, 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 they're dumbing us down. And that's the conspiracy that they've taken. I believe that language was more mystical back then. It was the real life Harry Potter, I think, back then. And if you yeah. look at Welsh mythology, how epic it is. And yeah. the original alphabet was only 17 or 19 letters. And they've added these symbols in there that mean absolutely nothing. I think that they've, that they've taken our power away and stepped away from the humanism movement and more to a, right, this is yep. your Godhead. This is what you need to do to achieve divinity. But you can only do it through us. You know, and, that, and that's, yeah. that's what yeah. I always talk about all the fucking time. And look, if we rewind this just a little bit to, to midway through the uh, episode, we were talking about like, okay, so as a stoic, I want to live a good life, right? Good life comes from making good decisions in the moment. That comes from uh, rational thought, rational thinking. But what is rational thinking? It's basically the tools you give yourself to be able to make good, objective, emotionless decisions in the moment. And one of those things you have to teach yourself is uh, how the world works. Obviously, you have to teach yourself ethics, you have to teach yourself blah, blah, blah. But you also have to teach yourself uh, linguistics. How can you describe to yourself to have inner reflections on what you see if you don't have the right words to describe it? Like, I use a word, you know, interlocutor often enough. And sometimes, because what does that mean again? I'll say, it's the person you're talking with. And they'll say, why don't you just say the person you're talking with? Inter what? Interlocutor. Interlocutor. Yeah. So I say, well, that's the word, interlocutor. Someone that you're interlocked in a conversation with, right? Um, simple things like that. So with each generation, we become more and more lazy in the way we communicate because we're no longer thinking for ourselves. We are just going through life. And, and now we're, we're about to take a huge turn, which we won't, but um, we go through life just feeding our bellies day after the other, going to bed, waking up in the morning, doing the same old trudgery day after day until we die. We're not thinking for ourselves anymore. We're not exploring anything anymore. Um, it's one thing, you know, I question my reality, but then I accept it because as a stoic, I'm like, well, I, I can't, you know. I can't get out of these three it. dimensions, like whatever. So let me at least learn how to live in this confines. That's one thing. It's another thing to not even see that. And that is, that is blind. And that is sad. It's more dangerous. And that is, it's, it's more dangerous for the individual. It's dangerous for the collective. Um, and, and that's what Rene Descartes, you know, Diogenes, Marcus Aurelius, myself, everybody, all these people who are trying to get everyone to just think rationally. We're not telling you what to do. We're just telling you to think. It's funny you bring that up because I am going to be starting a new series and it's going to be called the Occult Book Club. And I'm doing it with a friend of mine, Paranoid American, and we're going to be reading bits and pieces of occult literature, whatever that may be. And the first one we're going to be diving into is The Crowd by Gustave Le Bon. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, it's the book that Hitler used to be able to do what he did. And I was like, bruh, you know what I mean? Like, bruh, what the fuck? <laughs> and in that, he talks about how depending on the number of people in a group, 
determines how they act. And eventually, if you get a big enough group of people, that group of people, the group itself becomes its own living organism. And that's fine because you're going to have all types of people in that group. But the group is only as smart as the dumbest person in that group. So, again, we're going to be breaking that down. And it always fascinates me that this this past week, I have hit nerves on the social media waves with certain ideas I have portrayed out into the ether or aether, whatever you want to refer to it as. Just from simple language and just from the alchemical use of different words in a, in a certain pattern, it's able to trigger such emotion from certain groups of people. And I've been called a pseudo-intellect, a retard, a, a stupid ass, whatever, because I came up with, I, I didn't come up with it. I, I just regurgitated and repeated, right, what I was researching. The idea that Cthulhu and the Lovecraftian mythos could have possibly been a jinn that took over Lovecraft. I'm not saying Cthulhu was a jinn. I'm saying that maybe the jinn was Cthulhu. And it, they got a bunch of views and comments on, on, the, on the TikTok video, and people were just tearing me a new asshole. And they were just going at it. And I said, wow, just from words or just from an idea, that's not even mine. But just because I'm saying it, people are attacking me and they're just whole, they wholeheartedly believe, right? This is what Plato's The Republic was about, about how the arts, how music, how plays, how things spoke to people on that deeper level. And this is what they use today in social media, in politics. And I saw you posted uh, the video about your team winning or not winning and how you lose your shit if they don't win and you just care about it. But at the end of the day, there's not a fucking thing you can do about the Mavericks or whoever losing or winning. It doesn't matter, but we've adopted this, this simulacra and these empty symbols, and we take them to heart at, at, our, at our very core, the, the politics and the politicians that we worship nowadays, because that's what people do. They worship. I posted another video on YouTube about QAnon. I, had, I have never been called a CIA operative before. And this guy was referring to me as a C- <laughs> What the fuck? He was referring to me as a CIA operative, so I guess it's... Illuminati confirmed. I'm part of the Illuminati, and um, <laughs> I, he said that I was scripted and reading off of a teleprompter. I go, why would I waste money on a teleprompter when I have five fucking screens in front of me? And any information <laughs> that I want to read, I can just see. He's like, I can see the reflection of the script in your glasses, genius. I'm like... Dude, these people need to take their fucking meds. But these are the people that are in society with us and we co-mingle with, right? We coexist with them in life. I had a friend of mine who had a guy try to recruit him for a militia. He saw him at some place. And he was like, hey, you know, what's your email? This and that, stay in touch. And he was writing him emails like, hey, the militia needs you. Like trying to start a revolution. I go, I said, those people vote. And they, they live, right? It could be your neighbor. It could be whoever. And they live in this same realm that we're in. And they have all these crazy fucking ideas. But it's just crazy how <laughs> words, right, at the very core just affect people. And they just have this, this, this resonance with them. 
And I've always been fascinated by that. Yeah. And it's, it's that your fascination, unfortunately, has everything to do with our crappy ass education system. Mm -hmm. Because we're, we're, you know, we love symbolism and imagery, you know, we you close your eyes, you're thinking, you're not thinking, you're seeing images. That's all we do. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, at school, you know, I was, I was never given a philosophy class. I was never given a class on how to uh, just think in a you know, non conceptual matter to, to have some type of free cognitive thought like I wasn't I was just taught how to be a good bee worker bee, you know, a good cog in the machine. And, and that's it. And until I reeducated myself, I was just like one of these other people that you know, I didn't talk much. I did my thing. I, I punched in my uh, timesheet punched out, came home, ate my dinner, I was tired. And then ah, I did my thing and then restart. I didn't have time when you're tired. When you're just busy feeding yourself, you're not thinking for yourself. And again, we keep going back to this thing for yourself theme. Um, the only way out, you know, we live with these people. The only way we can better the world then by your own definition is to help these people uh, perhaps understand or see things differently. Right. And the only way we can do that is to have a conversation with more words. And so <laughs> with more words, but what else? Uh, words and um, leading by example. Right. Like um, I'm doing the social media thing now uh, since a few weeks. I committed to my little uh, following of tens of listeners that I'm going to put myself out there for the year and they can just ask questions on my life and how I live my life. Uh, that little video you saw actually was me <laughs> recording in my garage yesterday. I'm like, oh, yeah, Packers lost. And uh, yeah, emotions suck. But hey, here's how a stoic deals with it. Here's an exercise. Uh, so leading by example is another way. We have to keep having these conversations. We cannot get angry at each other. And if they get angry at us, we just can't get angry back because we're not fixing anything then, right? Either don't talk to them or if you're going to talk to them, be patient. That's the only way we get through this. Yeah, but again, back to my conspiracy theorist mind, they don't want you to be leaders. They don't want you to be uh, free thinkers. Exactly. They don't want you. They want you to comply because they need more worker bees. They need to but that's be, not a conspiracy, though. No, that's right. not. Well, some people would say it is, right? Eesh. Some people would, would deny that fact that the powers that be would want such a thing. No, 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 no. They want the what's best for me and what is what is what is just and and no, they would never hurt me. No, of course not. Absolutely not. But let's use that as a case study. You see, why is that? These are people that have unfortunately never been taught anything other than the current quote, capitalist, quote, democratic system that we live in. And they don't, you know, they hear the words Marxist and they go, whoa, whoa, get out of here. Like, no, no, it's, hold on. There is a reason why these philosophers, not anarchists, philosophers came up with these ideas, right? Start at the, like, ask the very first question. Why was Marx writing about this shit? Because he was not okay with profit over people. He was not okay with uh, innovation over mental health of society, right? And you start at the beginning and then you start reading and you understand, okay, it was more of an approach towards, hey, let's take care of society, like social, oh, socialism, I guess that's where the word comes from, as opposed to socialist, you commie bastard, like, hold on now, let's talk about this. So there's a perfect example that you brought up of why the lack of education it's causing ignorance in our own society. Like we're shooting ourselves in the foot and it's not a conspiracy. It's, it's just 
a result of the machine that's been running for 200, 250 years, the capitalist machine. Now, when you start arguing, okay, there's lizard people with mass underground that are running this shit, then we, you know, I'm, I'm, maybe, maybe, you know, it's that, as plausible as a heaven. That's the type of shit that no. I like, Anderson. Fucking lizard people. Maybe. I'm not saying no. I'm curious to talk about it. I'll tell you rationally what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. And lizard people doesn't not make sense. <laughs> <laughs> and you you said you you hit the the nail on the head at the very beginning of the podcast Anderson you said people don't read so when they're when you're talking about marxism they don't care to break down the ideas and sit there and read no 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 they're led to believe whatever other reality is painted for them and they they adopt that reality like they're little little baby the little sweet baby and they just run with it so people aren't reading anymore anderson that's why it's funny how amazon went from selling books to wanting to conquer space right it's funny how pythagoras said hey don't hurt others don't commit suicide don't sacrifice animals right eat a clean diet he said, if a man is able to destroy even one grain of salt, he will eventually destroy himself. We're way past that. We're way, way past that. So, again, all these things get lost in translation because people will only nitpick what they want to, right? That confirmation bias. And I remember on one of the episodes that we did, we talked about that narrative fallacy, right? Where people need to know where they come from and, and they just come up with these extravagant stories. So, I want to take this and steer this ship into our the next thing that i wanted to talk about which is also very deep the mind body dualism okay and renee descartes made a clear distinction between the mind and the body the body is the part that is physically visible to everyone and it is possible to move from one location to another on the other hand the mind is more of a spiritual entity According to Descartes, the mind is a separate unit from the body. There is a distinction between the mind and one's brain. The mind helps provide one with perception and consciousness, which influences the body. Although to Descartes' beliefs, an individual can conclude that human beings are the only ones with minds and bodies, animals only have bodies and cannot think. And we can get into this in a second. Many modern philosophers have tried to seek an alternative to Descartes' dualism, dualism theory to no avail. Descartes made two arguments to support these ideas. The first being, and bear with me, indubitality, indubitability, which is uh, where uh, it's undoubtable, right? Where the, body, the body's knowledge is open to doubt, but Descartes cannot doubt the understanding of his mind, right? And the second being indivisibility, since it is possible to divide one's body into distinct parts. It is impossible to split a person's awareness. He believed in the existence of external things that help guide his views. And that fucking word, bro, indubitability, fuck. 
You should have done one of those things where Google tells you how or YouTube tells you. I did, bro. I did like fucking five times. I st- like these words, epistemological. Like I always have to, you know. You should have sent it to your sound guy. You would have just been like. Hey, I am the sound it. guy, bro. <laughs> your sound guy. Sorry. Uh, wow. We covered so much there, man. Look, the mind-body dualism. Let's tie it right back to what we were talking about just before language. He's not saying anything new, saying the exact same thing that many philosophers before said and many philosophers after him said just differently, right? Um, Schopenhauer didn't say anything different. Nietzsche didn't say anything different. The Stokes didn't say anything different. It's just different wording. In my books, my own books, I call it the body's mind and the rational mind, right? I I make the distinction in that way. So whatever you call it, um, the dualism exists. Again, not not a... conceptual or, or conspiracy thing it exists and in our very first episode do you remember the uh, the exercise um ship of theseus it was a quick mental exercise we did to to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have a mind separate from the body i don't remember uh, go ahead and uh, enlighten me please i i won't i won't run through the uh the sh- okay ship of theseus is a, is a is a mythical warship of theseus that fought off the titans and founded athens and when okay. he dies, the, the citizens of Athens want to keep the ship in pristine condition. Ah, so yes, yes, they, yes, yes. They can keep it for posterity. Um, so as they change parts of the ship to keep it maintained, the question is, at what point does it stop being the ship of Theseus? The original ship. Point, yeah. The original ship, right. So you, you tie it back to the individual. Like, we see ourselves in the mirror every day. Uh, look at your, you know, we all have Google photos or whatever photos that shows one year ago, three years ago. We change, right? We look different. Yet we still call ourselves, you know, whatever, me. The same thing. Juan, yeah. Anderson. Yeah. Uh, whether you're 10 or you're 80, you always refer to yourself as something other than the physical the thing that's getting older in the mirror. So beyond a shadow of a doubt, our minds are separate than our body. Even internally, we know this. We just never pay attention to it because we're not mindful because we're too busy doing. Because we become human doings instead of human beings. Anyway. So uh, when, you, when you look at the mind-body duality in that sense, and again, uh, René Descartes was coming at this as, a, as a, uh, a Catholic, you know, the body is the heathen. The body wants all the, you know, the, the, the non-virtuous stuff, and the mind is what can free us. You got to free your mind. You got to, you know, we're talking about Neuralink before. Um, Elon's going to free our minds into the <laughs> metaverse. Whatever. Daddy Elon. Yeah. We've, Papa Elon, get us there. Um, <laughs> We've been trying to, like, do you see thousands of years ago, we were still trying to do the same thing. We were still trying to define what's in charge because we've always known something is running all this, whether it's like a dude in a toga uh, or whether it's like the logos, whatever you want to call it. None of us knows what it is. We all just try to give a name to it and say, ah, I figured it out. But we've always known there was something. Uh, We've always known uh, the mind is where we're free, right? Uh, But the elite knew, not the peasants. The peasants were busy digging farms. The elite had time to sit around like I do now and, and, and read stuff on their leisure time. There was no leisure time for others, right? Mm. And I'm privileged. Even in today's society, not very many people have the energy to read and, and educate themselves, right? Or the will, so, right? I mean, some, some just don't want to, even if they do have the time, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because we're not taught that. We're taught that having more is a good life, not knowing more, right? Um, so we keep talking about the, these same principles that keep coming back. So, uh, what makes René Descartes particularly awesome in the way he did it, um, and, and we'll get right back to animals after this is his scientific approach to it. So 
nobody was able to like argue with the guy. <laughs> yeah. And I guess that's why a lot of stuff uh, towards the end of his life when, you know, he was old and he was like, oh, I have new ideas. Maybe people went like, oh, yeah, shit, tell us, man. It's good. We're going to get the inside <laughs> scoop, right? I have I have a uh, uh, last couple lines here that I can finish up that, you know, my part on this. The individual is not responsible for their perceptions, but God, an external entity. And God puts one's uh, good ideas in one's mind. When God is in charge, it is impossible to have any faults. One's intellect supports the connections of life's events and makes rational decisions on viable measures. And how you said he was very uh, Christian or or Catholic, whatever, uh, religious for his time, right? Because this is what the church was putting out. And if you did anything to go against the church, such as Galileo, they would rule you as a heretic and they would outcast you. So at the same time that he was presenting these ideas, he was also treading on thin water, right? Hey, this is right. Our brain and body is separate, but God rules everything and he is the one and the almighty. And I don't know if you have this problem, Anderson, but I have an issue where, and I don't know if this is just me or if, if you ran into this. I have a problem where I feel that if I'm not learning something, I'm wasting time. I like sci-fi. I like science fiction and fiction books. And I tried to read science fiction, but I always find myself straying away from that or starting a book and putting it down because I have other things that are preoccupying my mind, quote unquote, real things. And I, I, every time I'm not constantly ingesting uh, knowledge of some sorts, to try and find that next nugget of something that I didn't know about for, I don't know if it's cause I do the podcast and I want to bring new ideas into conversation or if it's just me. I had some mystical lady one time tell me it was the sage in me. And that's always stuck with me. She goes, Oh, it's the sage that always wants to learn. And I go, well, I guess, but whenever I'm not learning about something, I feel like I'm wasting time. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're aware now you're aware of your lack of knowledge. The, and the more your island of knowledge grows, the more your shore of ignorance grows, the more things you realize you don't know about and the more things you want to learn. So it makes absolute sense. Uh, yeah, I suffer from the same thing. You don't build a, a couple bad libraries thing, like this. It's uh, as a so <laughs> as a modern day, you know, uh, CPA capitalist, I'm going to say, nah, that's great. Keep on reading, buddy. It's good. For you. But you know what? The stoic in me is going to say no. It's not the best thing always. And it depends on the situation. And I can give you quotes. And I love doing this on my exercises because you can find stoic quotes that are on both sides of the argument all the time because we never pick a side, right? It always depends on the situation. So um, I can find you quotes from Mark Sorelli. Like language. Says, it's appropriate exactly. to the situation. Exactly. Because as long as you use your rational mind to apply it, as long as you don't come at it with a deontology, meaning a rule book, just use your brain what fits best and do that. In other words, to quote one of my teachers, Marcus Aurelius, if it's the right thing to do, do it. If it's the wrong thing to do, don't do it. That's where ethics ends. Like that's, it's, it's that simple. Yeah. To quote one of my teachers, Hitler, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> okay, we have to do a Nietzsche episode because uh, modern modern day philosophy, Nietzsche, Captain Mustachio, he is hands down my favorite. Hands down. We will do that next if you'd like and we can yeah. go down that rabbit hole. The, the next thing that I wanted to get into was something that interested me was the mechanistic universe and Cartesian vortices. Are you familiar with that? Um, mechanistic universe, sure, but I've never heard of the Cartesian vortices, please. Enlighten. Yeah, so, and, and again, this is why I love this shit, because these guys are coming up with ideas that when you read them, you go, holy shit. So, the Cartes theory of vortices helped theorize the nature of the heavens. In his work, and bear with me, Principia Philosophae, is that how you say it? Yeah, you nailed it. So, 1644. Descartes proposed that the universe was full of matter and that there was no such thing as empty space. Excuse me. To, ex to explain motion, he introduced his concept of vortices. The system consisted of different kinds of matter or elements rubbing up against each other. His model included three different kinds of elements, those being luminous, transparent, and opaque. Luminous, the smallest and what stars were made of, earth and the planets made of the denser opaque, and the space between the planets and the stars was made up of transparent. And the reason he said this was because he believed that everything in the world, everything in the universe was mechanical in the literal sense of the word. So the flight of birds, the air rubbing up against the, the wings of that bird. That was all to him mechanical. He believed emotions, thoughts, everything was mechanical, right? This is how we get the mechanistic universe. And it was, Descartes stated that Luminous would settle at the center of these vortices. And there's a drawing of this. You can pull it up. The transparent and the opaque elements would shift around each other. The shifting created the movement of the objects in the heavens. And this is when... In comes Isaac Newton to overthrow this doctrine with his 1687 work Principia Mathematica Philosophiae Naturalis, right? And uh, I guess that's how you say it. Yeah, yeah. This became to be referred as one of the most important books in the history of physical sciences. With this work, Newton offered a mechanical model of the cosmos anchored in the set of mathematical laws. And although what Newton showed was that the theory of mechanical bodies Descartes presented was wrong, he didn't have anything to say about the theory of mind. That remained unchanged. Newtonian physics solidified that mystical forces were to blame for the terrestrial and planetary motion. So Newton came in and said, okay, I have nothing to say about your mind thing, but as far as the bodies because he believed that everything was mechanical. And in his dreams, when he would see people, he said, are those people even real? Or are they automata, right? Are they NPCs? He said, that's fine. Not everything is mechanical, but there are mystical and unintelligible forces that are at work when something happens. So the right and now in hindsight, we know what it was, right? The orbits of the of the celestial bodies was 
gravity and the elliptical orbit and all this stuff and the tides of the of the ocean and the wind we know what that is now but you got to remember they're a product of their time so back then they weren't thinking about this they were thinking in more of oh it's unknown it's mystical right it's got to be god moving these things around but descartes again came up with this i love that mechanistic universe where everything was a machine and there's a there it's got to do with with sacred geometry because remember he wanted to be able to interpret everything in this realm to a platonic solid to a shape that was his goal in life and he was submerged in that and finding out how he was able to do that so yeah, you just learned something new. Did you did you pull up the picture? You see the vertices and the circles and shit? No, no, I didn't pull up the picture, but I was listening to it from a, you know, again, doing mental exercises. And it makes sense to me from a conceptual perspective. And even though Newton came, because, okay, Newton put on paper using uh, a new form of mathematics that he invented just to be able to explain how these things, you know, move. So he, he just came up and somehow dropped calculus on us. I'm sure there's some conspiracies behind that. And then, and, and then put on paper what Descartes was saying in theory. So he didn't disprove him. He was just able to further what Descartes put down on paper. But again, I hate to take it away from Descartes. It wasn't him. We knew this in ancient Greece. Um, you know, uh, 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 we, we like to think that Copernicus was the first one to be like, oh, yeah, maybe the sun's at the middle. Well, no. Ancient Greece, bro, like uh, two and a half thousand years ago, there was already we knew about the solar system, planets mm -hmm. going around it and all that stuff. Um, so going back to the languages, like I, I think Newton added on to what Rene Descartes was saying. I think a lot of philosophers and scientists that came after added on to what Descartes was saying, which From is a why rational Descartes... point of view, right? Exactly. Because rationalism just was I, I can get. I can get behind that. A more rational. If you tell me that the reason why the Uber driver is late is because there was some evil demon holding him back and, and trying to keep him away from giving me my food, then I'll be like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, there was just traffic. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's more rational. Occam's razor, you know? But, you know, it, traffic is an evil demon of sorts. Like, it's just symbol. It's just words and labels. Why, you know, why are we going to say one thing? It's definitely not that. No, it, it's a type of evil demon. Yeah, well, I'm fighting my evil demons every day. Right? Every time uh, something happens, I like I don't respond with my knee jerk reaction. That's what stoicism is. Right? We call these proto reactions, proto emotions. It's your knee jerk reactions. We fight against this all the time. Um, Rene Descartes just did it in a way that built a foundation for the modern day sciences to be able to run with it and continue. And we're still doing it till this day, you know, uh, Schopenhauer thought he was, he like put the nail in the coffin and he's like, that's it. We figured it out. But no, then comes the Sartre's of the world. And they come, you know, we're talking about biases on our opinions. We have to talk about Simone de Beauvoir as well. Like, you know, there's so many philosophers that covered this, this uh, question of, okay, I get, I get that this is not reality. And I get that I have biases and I get that I can't change any of this. But fuck, dude, there's got to be a way I can be a little bit more objective because knowing all of this, I got to do a better job. I'm not okay just being ignorant. And that's the struggle. Yes, yes, yes. And again, this is why it's so fascinating to me because when I when I break these things down, again, a lot of the things that I was reading, that's what I love and hate about modern philosophy or philosophy on its own. 
I have to read things over and over again in order for them to make sense to me. And when I was researching this, I came up, I stumbled upon other things that was like, have you ever heard of Boltzmann, the, the Boltzmann's brain? <laughs> Never heard of that. No. And thermodynamic equilibrium. I'm going to say no. It's a thought experiment where somewhere in the vacuum of space, right? Everything is atoms. Things will reach a certain equilibrium to where they will form something similar to a human brain. In the vastness of nothing, okay, according to uh, thermodynamic equilibrium, right? Everything will come together, even if it's for a split second, split second. And they will come together to form a human brain that for that very split, smallest unit of time, it has created memories and a lifetime, an entire lifetime of a person as we understand them to be, right? Because we're limited by this language barrier. And right after that, it will deteriorate immediately because of lack of circulation. It's in the vacuum of space. But again, this is a thought experiment. Just because we think about it doesn't mean it's going to happen. But when I stumbled upon it, I was like, holy shit. And uh, the evil demon and the brain-o mechanism where, you know, we're, bra we're brains in a vat jar. And we're, uh, what is it? We don't know that we're hallucinating. Because mm -hmm. how are you able to prove that you're hallucinating? If that's the case, we're hallucinating all the time. I think, exactly. therefore, I am. Our senses cannot be trusted. And that's the whole premise of it. And when you bring these ideas up to somebody, they look like you're like a fucking lunatic. What are you talking about, bro? You know what I mean? That's what I, that's what I love about this stuff. That's what I love about conspiracy theories and just thinking outside the box. But again, a lot of these are not conspiracy theories. I think it's just a matter of laying the foundation on a rational thought process. Um, you know, here I am. I'm, I'm dedicating my life to this stuff. I'm like, yeah, we're pretty, I think we're in a simulation, pretty probable uh yeah i can't trust any of my sensory organs like yeah i have no idea if there's an afterlife or not like all of these things are for for real for real this is not conspiracy and i was talking about how everything is matter in motion before so you know what Rene Descartes was saying i agree i agree like every we just change labels and definitions through time through generations uh, to reflect the zeitgeist of the time like we keep saying right so now that I'm saying this, I guess the point is we're pretty stupid as a species because we still keep talking about the same thing thousands of years after thousands of years. And God knows how long we're talking about this stuff before. And we don't have written records. You know what I mean? So yeesh, good luck. Good luck, future generation. And the final thing I wanted to talk about was his dreams. Okay. And yeah. it's something that comes up in his writing, something that he was battling with internally because he wanted to find his purpose. He was asking God, please tell me what my purpose is. Where do I go from here? And the, the, he had three separate dreams that eventually inspired the Cartesian coordinate system, right? He was able to 
to through this, right? If people tell you, well, how, how, how do you come up with it? And you go, oh, well, he studied day and night and was able to come up with these things and he interpreted them and, and he broke down the science, right? He was, he was a genius. But then you tell him, no, he, it came to him in his dream. You go, wait, what the fuck? Like, uh, like this mystical aspect to it. So he had a series of dreams and, and one night that he, supposedly he hadn't drank in some months, right? And he was feeling tired. So he, he was a man that, that he, he was like me. He enjoyed sleep. He said that when he would sleep, you were feeding your mind and your brain, right? So it was important to sleep. And meditation, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. Meditation was a big thing for him. To to th- I, I, there was a quote that I heard, but it was pretty much saying, you know, who doesn't like it? he would his friends would tell him, "What are you doing?" He goes, "I'm just thinking." Goes, what do you mean? He goes, "Who doesn't enjoy thinking? Who doesn't enjoy reflection, and 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 enjoying reflection?" And and, and I want to sorry to interrupt. I want to jump in before you read the quotes to put it into 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 my context. So, uh, Rene Descartes was known famously for, you know, Einstein, he did most of his big revelations on his piano in his living room, right? Really? Uh, while he was, you know, just playing it up. Um, Rene Descartes did most of his greatest thinking while he was reflecting, meditating in bed. Yeah. That was his favorite place. And he mm-hmm. kept telling people, and you're, you're quoting a famous one, you know, his friends came and it was like almost noon and he's still in bed. They're just kind of sitting like, they, they're like what are you doing, dog? He's like, I'm thinking, man, like, yeah. what else would you want to do in life? What else is more important than rational thought? Yeah. And, and the conspiracy is that when he got a new job and I forgot where he went, they had him, they made him wake up early. And because of his sleep deprivation, he fell into sickness and we can get into that towards the end. So he had a, the first, he had a series of three dreams and in these dreams, the first one, and I might be getting them mixed up because I'm just going off the top of my head. I didn't take notes on this. He had a dream where he was being pushed down by a wind or what he referred to as a demon. He was walking through this town and it was near a church, right? He kept getting pushed down in this contorted position and he kept asking God, please release this demon from trying to push me down. And while he was walking, he had, while he was there, he had people around him, right? During this entire time. And I believe it was somebody that came up to him and and offered him a a melon from some distant land or something of that sort. Again, I'm I'm just reciting this off of my reading at two o'clock in the morning, right? Half asleep. And he would wake up in between these dreams and meditate on what he was seeing, the symbolism within these dreams. Mind you, it was at a time in his life where he was trying to find his purpose and he was trying to figure out what he wanted to do. You should have read my book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Find your purpose in life. Anderson Silver, your user's manual yeah. on Amazon. We'll plug those links in the description, dude. Say no more. So he had another dream. He, he was meditating, fell asleep again, had another dream. And in the, in the next dream, I believe, or the third dream, he had, he came, he was in this room and there was either a dictionary, depending on which translation you read, or an encyclopedia. And this has to do with the whole, if he was a Rosicrucian or not, because the symbolism, some say the symbolism was Pythagorean in nature. And some people, and obviously we know Pythagoras was a very, he was mystical for his time. He, he was, they were all about numbers and figuring everything out. And 
I believe it was in the third dream. He he read a poem, and I'm I'm not sure if you're familiar with what poem he was because in the poem it was pretty much about what where do you want it? God showing somebody where they wanted to go in life because it reflected on what he was going through in real life. Okay, and in the dream. While he's in the dream, reading, re, he was reading in his dream, number one, according to him. He was reading in his dream, and he talks about these things in his writings, you know, First Meditations and all these other books that he wrote. And in the dream, he started to interpret what he was reading. So he was almost like conducting like this, this inception type of shit where he was interpreting his dream inside a dream. And then he wakes up again, and... And I, I believe it was one, in one of his letters, he brought up the argument of these people. Were they ghosts? Were they Automa, right? He was, to me, one of the first ones to talk about people being NPCs. This is what this is what got me into wanting to talk about Rene Descartes. He talked about the evil demon, so the Demiurge, and then the Automa, right? We, you, you can't discern, you know, I think he's like looking down into a square full of people. He goes, are those people down there even real? Or are they robots? Right? Are they inanimate objects that just, I perceive them as people, but I can't trust my senses at the same time. And from this series of dreams, that's what inspired him into creating the Cartesian coordinate system. When he woke up, he said, I have found, I have, I have the foundations to a new science or some shit like that. And I go, the reason this fascinates me is because a lot of the things we know today, the Code of Hammurabi, the Ten Commandments, uh, various other famous works were through the use of either channeling or they came to certain people in their dreams or in altered states of consciousness. The altered state being the dream world, right? And I just found it so interesting that we use one of the things today, one of the most famous things today from something that came to a guy in his fucking sleep. And you mentioned earlier the reptilians and all this stuff. The way that this relates to the reptilians is the reptilians to me are the forces at work in this realm. And you can call, I call them the reptilian overlords. You can call them the archons. You can call them the, those mystical forces that Newton talked about. You can, Say whatever you're the dark brothers, whatever you want to name, that's what the reptilians are to me. And the conspiracy to me is if again thinking outside the box, if Rene Descartes was indeed some sort of magician, right? And we know that he was into mystical things, right? God being mystical and religious. It just has a different name and a different facade, if you will. Did they have another intention? by passing these things on to the next person, right? By you using that thing, so the coordinate system, by you using that, are you furthering some sort of alchemical agenda for them? This is why I tell people, know your history when it comes to a lot of things, because we use a lot of things today that a lot of people don't know. The I, I got into the occult origins of the King James Version of the Bible, and how that came to be. The symbolism in that, they link it to Rose Rosicrucianism. 
And are you furthering an agenda of something more sinister? Because this is what it's all about. It's never going to stand out to you in black and white. And the entire premise of this episode that we've been talking about, that people don't understand, they don't read, they don't interpret, they just take what's given to them. That's not too far-fetched to think about. You understand where I'm coming from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's interesting when you say uh, we don't look at, we don't think about how things came to be. We just take these good ideas and run with it. Well, yeah, again, I'm going to go back to that same argument I'm going to make for the fourth, fifth time. People are just hungry, dog. People just have to work and feed themselves. They don't have time to think about these things. But um, if, you know, if we had the time, even myself as a stoic, I'm trying to be pragmatic. I got to live my life. I just, yeah, it's fun to talk about these things sometimes, but I got to try and live my life and live a good life. So how can I apply my knowledge to what I can control right now? Like that's it. Let me live in this box. And then once in a while, I'll think about what's outside the box. Doesn't change the fact, the absolute 100% real fact, not a conspiracy, that everybody had hidden agendas. We have hidden agendas now, you know, they had them too. We just don't know what it is. And it's not, you say it's not a far-fetched to me it's almost a certainty that when you have these crazy awesome ideas that last a thousand years a hundred years fuck yeah somebody was taking advantage of that back in the day i would do it now too you know people would take advantage of anything they can i would use it to uh further my agenda of bettering the world uh somebody might use it to further their warmongering agenda um, uh, more likely someone's going to use it for porn because that's what we use technology for, right? <laughs> Fuck yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what you're saying is, again, as, as a very rational philosopher that prides himself on objectivity, I'm going to say absolutely plausible, probable even, uh, that there was a hidden agenda that, you know, something really funky and interesting and entertaining where I'll probably uh, question is like okay, we have maybe two, three ideas today of what that was. Yeah. How are we going to know today? Like we, we can never know for sure, but yeah, for sure. There was something happening. Yeah. But you tell that to people that go, no, 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 that would never be the case. And again, we have this combativeness from them that, that they, they don't care to accept that. And yeah, but that, that's where I stand when it comes to everything. And, and I like connecting my, you know, if there's one thing that makes my nipples hard is connecting a conspiracy theories altogether Cons- and, and and life itself reality itself is a fucking conspiracy because we don't know how it came to be right and we interpret it and we perceive it go ahead anderson what do you what do you got to say bro i'm just I, I was just thinking like <laughs> you're so into conspiracies yet you read noam chomsky because his uh his most famous book famously this proves that there is a cabal so i have a really good buddy of mine uh a, a book by like noam chomsky yeah, really, it's What's... the book that put him on uh, on the map. Let me, let me write this down. Hold up, manufacturing consent. Let me write this down. See, I see. I, see. I, so, I knew I was onto something. Manufacturing consent is the book that made Noam Chomsky. Although I would recommend everybody reads his recent work as well. Um, uh, there's one called The American Dream. There's one called Profit Over People. Uh, these are all case studies of the evils that is our society right now. Um, but, uh, you know, a case study. Uh, so the first one I was mentioning, uh, manufacturing consent, 
he comes to the conclusion at the end that there is no cabal. There's no lizard people. There's no room where people are making these decisions, uh, making these evil, evil decisions. He paints a picture of here's the different realities that are running in parallel, including media and what their objectives are, including uh, the you know defense industry, what their objectives are, including this, that, and the other. And then he draws this Venn diagram of all these different interest groups. And then in the center is clearly the result of manufacturing consent. Uh, and the way he maps that out is using news articles. When he wrote that back in the 80s, of course, it was all articles. It was easier to track. And so he was tracking like which type of news would go out on the same type of uh, event that happened. And anyways, mm, the, I, I don't want to take dual, away from this episode. The dual episode. realities, yeah, yeah, which is what happens exactly. today. Yeah, we have the far right or the far left. Yeah. Right. Uh, but what I appreciate about Noam Chomsky is he, like me, he, he tries to come to a rational explanation of the weird shit that we see without jumping to lizard people. Yeah. Yeah. Which I can respect. Because again, I'm not a, cons- I'm not a conspiracy theorist, Anderson. I like to think outside the box and, and I like to have healthy conversations with people and get their ideas. Somebody told me today, well, why don't you call people? I go, I don't call them up because I respect you. If that's how you feel on a certain idea, I respect that you feel that way in opposed to my idea. Why should I have to change the way that you think or be combative towards you because you feel a certain different way? And that's the type of person that I am. I don't I don't debate people. That's just not me. I'm not I'm not a good debater, number one. And number two, yeah, I'm not I'm not a master debater. <laughs> what the fuck but i you know and that's not that's just not me and that's not what my show is about i like to you know have fun with it and put out a positive message for the most part and i like to bring subjects that people don't really know about to light and have fun while doing it and i'm learning all at the same time learning this stuff to be able to talk about it on the air so people can consume it so we're, we're gonna go into the right talking about conspiracies about the evening when Descartes died and in the evening while, and this is from the book that I, I forgot the name in the evening while everyone else was away at dinner, Descartes asked his valet to help him out of bed so he could lie on the couch by the fire. He made it to the couch and lay there for a few moments, but he was too ill now and the bleeding because they had bled him, right? This is what they understood back then. That if you bled out the bad blood, you could survive. But he understood. He didn't want them to bleed him because he knew that it was bullshit. It could get infected and you could, uh, you know, die from the infection. So he didn't want to do it until the very end because he was so sick. And some people say that he got sick from having to wake up early and the lack of sleep and sleep deprivation weakened his immune system. And therefore he fell ill. So he lay, he lay there for a few months, but he was too ill now, and the bleeding had sapped his strength. He opened his mouth and said, Ah, my dear Schulter, this is, this is the time I must leave. These were Descartes' last words. He lost consciousness, and Schulter immediately rushed to get the shawnuts and the doctors and servants. And after a few more hours, it became clear that Descartes would not survive. And a priest, Father Viogo, that's how you say it, was called in to administer the last rites. At four the next morning, Descartes died. It was the 11th of February, 1650, and he was almost 54 years old. Now, there's conspiracy regarding this because some people say that he was poisoned. 
the doctor that was sent by the queen despised Descartes because of his views. The doctor that he would usually have, he was uh, he was on vacation or some shit somewhere else, and they couldn't get to him, so they sent this guy, which hated him, and people knew he hated him. And some people say that they, that he was poisoned by this guy, and again was killed. And what ended up happening later on was he was buried, and they exhumed his body, and he had no head, and his skull is on display at a museum. I believe in France somewhere. And, but yeah, it was unfortunate that somebody they had given when they were going to rebury his body, they took his skull and they gave it to somebody. They're like, Hey, make sure that this goes with the body. The dude fucking sold it to some museum or some shit. And they put his body on display. <laughs> they put his skull on display. Hidden agendas, right? Hidden agendas. Who knows? Hey, you know, he like, they were constantly trying to assassinate him, the Dutch, right? And that he moved like, 25 times they back say in his life. I, I didn't I didn't come upon that theory of that he was trying to be assassinated but I saw that they, they questioned why he moved around so much without saying anything he would leave and go to all these different places and there's right in his writings there's there's these gaps and people were trying to figure out like what the fuck were you doing for this time in, in your life and that's that's an interesting I see I learned something new I didn't know that they were trying to I, and I wouldn't doubt it because again, the powers that be didn't want, they didn't want, he had a very close relationship with the queen and he didn't want, he, they, they, his views were looked at almost, uh, atheist, right? Because of his, and mind you, what he was saying of, you know, the universe and all this shit, right? And rationalism, people looked at the time, they could have seen it as heresy and therefore, you know, they, they, they thought he had a further agenda. And then shortly after he died, the queen switched over to, to to Catholicism and she became Catholic. So they didn't want her him influencing her because she was very close with him. He even wrote her some books or some shit like there's some letters uh, uh, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. were made out to her. And she was very sad after he died. But yeah, there was, who knows, man? That's, that's, again, that's open for interpretation. We're never going to know the truth of it because he's, fucking dead and it's history <laughs> well i'll tell you one thing if if history is a, any indicator a lot of philosophers a lot of philosophers were hated persecuted killed all the way to modern times so it's it's not a it's not unheard of in fact it's quite common to yeah, have pythagoras, a philosopher pythagoras was supposedly killed as well well, everybody, man, Jean-Jacques Rousseau was literally banned from like three countries at the time. And in Europe, there was like, what, six countries? Like the guy was banned from half of Europe. Like it just, everybody was just so as a philosopher, you have to open your mind and you have to question everything. So you ruffle feathers, especially those who are in charge. Right? Yeah, I was so, called a CIA operative. So, I mean, I could see how that, you go. Yeah. I was called scripted. He said, oh, you're a script. I can see the teleprompter in your glasses, genius. So... Uh. Yeah, and that was Rene Descartes, the Juan Juan podcast iteration of Rene Descartes. And Anderson, I would like to start a new series with you. And I think maybe we could use this first one as something. I want to call it something. And I want to do it at least once a month where we break down a different philosopher of any point in time and just dive deep how we did today and just dissect everything. And go, you know, through his life and his philosophies and break it down in a humor, you know, humorous way and just learn from it. 
So I don't know if you'd be down for that, you know, at least once a month or whatever, once every two months, whatever the fuck, whatever time allows, right? Whatever the evil demon lets us do. And, and yeah, go from there. I don't want to dub it something. So, you know, it can be our own thing and we can, uh, you know, just put it out on the feed and, and have fun with it. Sounds like fun, man. You're like the, you're going to be like the podcast magnet. You just you're going to have how many series under you? Fuck it. However many I want. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. Uh, no, it sounds like a plan and it fits nicely with my effort in 2022 to do more stuff online. Uh, uh, you know, uh, and this is a good seg towards, I guess, the end of the show towards me. I don't have a social media presence before 2022. You can try and find Anderson's face. It only comes up like once or twice before. Um, there's a reason for that because I'm trying to live a good virtuous life and social media does not allow that as easily. And so I was dedicating my energy onto other things. So this year, uh, a lot of the work that I'm doing as Anderson, uh, the energy is going into social media because people want to talk, man. People are hungry. They just want, they want to talk. So you're telling me nobody reads anymore. I have a different experience with my, uh, my uh, fives of followers. Like I, every day we're having conversations. New people are jumping in, asking for stuff. Like people are hungry for knowledge. So I appreciate what you're doing here, Mike. Keep putting the stuff out there. Thank you, Anderson, and I appreciate it. And I like the fact that you were able to recognize that because it is one of my passions. And and again, I feel it makes me sick to my stomach when I feel like I'm not learning and I'm furthering what I want to do, which is get the message out there in the funniest way that I can and scholarly way that I can, right? Because I try to keep it light and fun and some topics could, I could see where it could get boring, but when you have this, you know, it, I, I think it's all fucking fascinating. And I think people are able to appreciate that. And that's why I like having you on. You're a smart guy and you know your shit. So I go, hey, you know, who better than Anderson to fucking chop it up with and, and do this shit with? You know what I mean? Uh, if you think I know my shit, we haven't been talking enough, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. So <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm honest, if nothing else. <laughs> So I think that's that was a solid episode. I had a lot of fun researching this. And for the next one, we can actually do, yeah. Uh, uh, was it Nietzsche? Nietzsche? He was... Uh, oh, yeah. Captain Mustachio, man. Nietzsche. Uh, so three. I'll tell you three interesting facts about him. And this will set up the next episode. One, he was not a Nazi, despite people thinking he was. He was actually very much um, against it. It was his sister that sold his uh, works after he lost his mind. Uh, two, he had the greatest mustache of any philosopher ever. And three, at the end of his life, he suffered from coprophagia, coprophagia, excuse me, uh, which is where you eat your own feces and died. I'll tell you all about this in the next episode. <laughs> well, stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for the next episode of Dragon Ball Z. So thanks again for coming on, Anderson, and we'll set up the next one and it's going to be a good one as well. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me.